He is still risen. He is still risen indeed. Come Holy Spirit, lead us again. And I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Come Lord Jesus. Amen. Scripture this morning is pretty simple. Two words to start with. If you want to start memorizing scripture, this would be a black place to start. <laughs> Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians five. Two words. Let's say it together. Pray continually. Very good. And then the second text is from Matthew 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then from Mark chapter 3. Let's say this one together. Let's say this one together too. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those who he wanted, and they came to him. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Amen. Pray continually. Literally in the Greek, it means pray continually. (laughs) It means what it sounds like it means. Constant, continuous, flowing non-stopping prayer. When I pastored a church in small town PA from 2008 to 2020, there was a monastery near the church and there were nuns at this monastery and their complete total focus was prayer. In fact, they took a vow basically to be cloistered. They didn't leave. I think they went and got groceries and stuff like that. But other than that, they were from all over the world and they're part of a, I think they're Benedictine and what you could do is you could go to the monastery and take a prayer request and you put it in like a revolving door inside a window and they would take it and, and get it and pray, but they would never come out. It was always good to know they were there. You'd hang the, you'd hear the church bell in town and from the monastery and you'd think of these dear praying nuns. Now, I only wish they'd come out occasionally and had told us what they were hearing from God, you know, that would have been interesting. But it was always good to know they were there. Praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Now that might be your call. There might be some people here who are called to make that a full-time vocation. That's all you do. But for most of us, I think Paul has something else in mind, not that we only pray, but that we integrate prayer into everything we do. We're more likely we're more likely to get what that means when we know who God is. What does it mean to pray all the time? Is it just a task? Is God just calling us to do one more thing? We have a lot to do. But prayer is not just one more task to do. Prayer is an ongoing relationship to attend to. God designs us for relationship. That's what we're built for. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is relationship with God expressed. This Matthew 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Presbyterian New Testament scholar Dale Bruner, one of my favorite scholars, he was over at Whitworth for a long time, wrote a couple beautiful commentaries on Matthew and John. 
He points out here that the Greek for room could be translated supply room. And as Dale says, in one sense, it was the least sanctified place in the house. It was used to store feed, small animals, tools, and other supplies. But more important, this room's door could be locked. It could be private, and that was the supreme consideration. Dale says, in a single sentence, Jesus revises the whole Old Testament religion, if you will. It's no longer the Holy of Holies that is the special meeting place between God and the believer. It's the supply room with a lock. Now, as Dale points out, we've all heard that phrase, you know, your life is a prayer. Make your life a prayer to God. And of course, God can meet us anywhere. Prayer is portable. Go for it. That is a necessary idea. You take prayer anywhere. You're mowing the lawn. You're watching a movie. With your, before you meet your briefs at Starbucks, you're in an intersection. Keep your eyes open when you're driving, of course. But you can pray. Your life can be a prayer. That's absolutely true. That is a necessary idea. But apparently it is not sufficient. You know that phrase, necessary but not sufficient. <clears throat> and apparently what Jesus is teaching is, that's great. And what Paul is saying is, that's great. But Jesus is saying, you got to get in the room with God. Got to get in the room with God. I remember there was a TV character played by Tom Skerritt in the show Picket Fences years ago. That was out in the early 90s. Small town Wisconsin life. Um, uh, small town stories and interesting characters in the show written by David Kelly. It was a very interesting show at places. And one of the moments that I remember on the show was when the lead character, a police chief played by Tom Skerritt, said, I believe in God. I just don't know if I want to get in the same room with God. Well, it's important to know, what what is God like? And here's what God's like. God wants to know you. God wants to know you. God doesn't just care what God can get out of you. God cares about you. God cares about you. And that's why Jesus says, get in the room. Get in the room with me. Spend time with me. We're not just about tasks. Again, that's necessary, but not sufficient. God made you and I for tasks. We got stuff to do that is necessary, but it's not sufficient. God gives us tasks to do for sure. That's what we're made for. But more than that, God gives us himself. Himself. It's God we're made for at our core. It's God we're made for at our core. The late, great songwriter Rich Mullins who died way too soon, points out that text from Mark three thirteen that we read, the first call of the first disciples, how'd it go? The text says, Jesus went up to the mountainside and assessed the needs of his mission and found out the characterizations, characters he wanted in his team and looked for the gift. No. It said, verse 13, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those who he wanted. Not those he needed, Those he wanted. God doesn't merely want your productivity. As if God needed that. God doesn't need anything. But God wants you. He wants me. Same goes with his prayer in Matthew 6. It's interesting. Right before he says get in the room with God. Jesus says don't babble on like the pagans. There were lots of prayers in in other religions at the time that were 
and even among the Jews that were these long, drawn-out, ostentatious prayers. If a comet whizzed by, there was a prayer. There was a prayer for everything. And Jesus says, you know, go into your room and pray to your father. And don't be like the babblers. He says this, your your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So as it turns out, prayer isn't about, you know, phoning into the general at the Pentagon and telling him, giving him a sit rep from the trenches. God knows already. God knows this stuff already. Apparently what it's about is not God wanting to know stuff or information, but God wanting to know you and be with you and me. He doesn't call us to prayer because he needs to be updated. He calls us us to prayer because he wants to be with us. That is, as they say in the vernacular, a trippy idea. The God of the whole universe who is large and in charge wants to be intimate with you and me. You know that film, He's Just Not That Into You? That's a movie. I've never even seen the movie, but the title's kind of cool. He's Just Not That Into You. Well, I'm here to tell you God is that into you. Fully. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before. Word is on my tongue. Oh Lord, you know it completely. You have me in mind before. And on and on and on. God's really interested in you. God wants to be with you. And that is the idea behind unceasing prayer. Don't let the call to unceasing prayer just become another form of busyness. The deeper call of unceasing prayer is a call to unceasing relatedness with the God who wants to be with us. Jesus says in John 15, remain in me. Gotta remain in him, stay in him. Unceasing continuous prayer woven throughout our day is a crucial way to remain in Christ. I don't know about you, but I get disoriented even as a pastor all the time and I don't pray when I need to. And I need to be reoriented constantly. Prayer does four things in particular. Recenters us on God. Relate, helps us relate with God. Reconnects us with the world. We'll get to that in a second. And it renews us. Recenters me on God, first of all. It reminds me, there is a God and I am not him. <laughs> reminds me, who is in charge? But it's not just that we have an object or a concept to settle to, to center on. It's not just an idea. It's a, as we said, an actual relationship. When my wife Jill was diagnosed with breast cancer, and we didn't know exactly what we were dealing with, and it was an especially terrifying few weeks, I came back to that text again and again. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He's not just in charge. He knows us. He wants to relate with us. And of course, we had, a, we had a fantastic outcome. And we praise God for that. And she has an awesome prognosis. But no matter what, God knows what we need, right? No matter what. So that recentering on God, reconnecting with God. And then I think prayer also reconnects us with the world around us. I've come to see that when I pray... That is a way to not only connect with God, 
but to connect with the people I'm praying for. Prayer is not just about my relationship with God. It also is about my relationship with those I'm praying to God for. You know that old phrase too? If you're having trouble talking to people about God, talk to God about people. That is a way of relating. If if prayer is intimacy with God and God is intimate with these other people and reaching them, then through God, we're connecting with those people through our prayers, spiritually speaking, in the spiritual realm. So prayer, recentering on God, relating with the God in whom we center, reconnecting with the world around me and beyond, and then renewal, getting refreshed. This is a spiritual thing. In prayer, we tap into a presence bigger than ourselves. We've never needed it more. I don't know about you, but so much stimuli, so much hyper stimulation, so much information coming at us all the time. To sit and be and look around. We love our children so much and uh, Jill and I also love each other. And so when you're on task and you're serving children, and sometimes Jill and I can do this, you know, we'll just connect in, connect on the spot and just check in and process something right on the spot while we're doing something. And that's great and that happens. And we do that with God too. While we're serving as children, we can connect with God. Absolutely. Do it as you go. But we still got to have our date nights. We're going to have one tonight, you know. And if you're a couple with young kids, especially you know this, this is true of anybody who works, who's on task in any way. Those things can take over your life and displace the relational connectedness that we're built for. And then soon, at its worst, you start to live like a less human existence. (laughs) You start to try to live in a way that God never intended us to live for. We are meant to be connected. So those things are really important. And in all kinds of subtle ways, our, our our culture, which is wonderful in many respects, but also broken and sinful, will also dehumanize us. You're, you and I are more than just worker bees. We're more than just task completers. We are human beings built for relationship. So you got to have your date night if you're married. And with the good Lord above, we got to have our dates of intimacy with him too. And he beckons us to do it. It's an invitation in grace. In grace. A few things that have helped me over the years. There's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus includes that in Mark 6. It's his prayer. Now, I don't think we have to be um, super strict about that. You can. There's other examples of pray, prayers within Scripture itself. But you can look at it as handholds. You know, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You can think of each each prayer word as kind of a handhold, like you're climbing a wall. And as you do each one, you can think about them. You can also pray psalms. There's a bunch of psalms in the Bible, and they're prayers. It's, it's reading King David's prayer diary. And he's incredibly real and incredibly visceral. And there are psalms of, of praise. And then there are psalms of complaint. Lamentations as well. Habakkuk, you know, how long, oh God. That is in there too. Then there's also something called the Book of Common Prayer. It's an Episcopal Anglican prayer book. And sometimes written prayers help me if, if your mind is spinning out. And there's some beautiful, it's kind of like reading prayer poetry. Jill and I use that too sometimes. We did early on in our marriage too. And we remember certain phrases in there. Like, like Father of Majesty Unbounded. Oh, isn't that good? Father of Majesty Unbounded. 
That'll reset, recenter you. You can also get, you can order online. I don't mean to push product from the pulpit, but there are, for $9.99, no, you can get, uh, you can get these prayer beads. And I can tell you where I got them. And there, there's probably a bunch of them. Now, now there's the Catholic rosary, but this is different. Um, these are just beads. And, and if you sometimes have trouble focusing, you, you have a busy mind like I do, there's, there's a, there's, Four big beads and then groups of seven smaller beads. And so the idea of it is you can walk and pray and then you can, you can, on a big bead, you can pray a scripture like, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Then you can pray those other seven, you know, small beads. Lord be with my beloved wife, Jill, be with my son, Jack, Grace, number three, and my parents, four or five. You get the point. You just go through it. It helps guide you and it helps keep you centered. So if you're tactile, you can get, um, this from, uh, I can tell you the one I get it from and then there's others too. There's all kinds of ways that can help you. Prayer partners, prayer groups. Oh, I hope you know what it feels like. Many of you do, but you can never know it enough, right? To be prayed for by name. To have someone pray for you by name and to hear that. There is nothing quite like hearing someone pray for you. It is like being pulled into the arms of of our God who wants to know us. Does this want you to do things for him doesn't it's more, doesn't just care about what he can get out of you he cares about you he really does so god pulls us in to the try and embrace when we're prayed for when someone prays over us it's the lord you know the lord speaks in that so i hope you know that prayer continual prayer not just a task but a relationship Attending, attuning to a relationship with the God who loves us, is for us, who empowers us, pushes us out as he loves us in. May it be so for you and for me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.